0: All right. We well, have the children dismissed to the children's church, and the rest of us, let's take our Bibles and turn to Psalm 37. Psalm 37. It's one of those chapters in the Bible that we just need uh, to revisit uh, from time to time, and uh, it starts off with two, with three words actually, a command: fret not thyself." Uh, how many of you remember that uh, silly song, uh, Don't Worry, Be Happy, uh, and uh, just a, a, a frivolous song that's supposed to make you feel good about things that you shouldn't feel good about? I mean, one of the, one of the phrases, I believe, was when the IRS calls on the phone, don't worry, be happy. No, uh, if the IRS calls on the phone, uh, you, you ought to do something, amen? Amen. Uh, and and yet, uh, we, as most often we will find ourselves, and this is not the subject of this morning's sermons, we worry about that, which we don't need to worry about, and we're totally unconcerned with that, that we really ought to be concerned about. If you want an interesting study of that, study the life of Jacob. I mean, he he was the... Conniver, uh, uh, his name means heel grabber. He was the guy that was always trying to work things out. You know who took care of Jacob? It was not Jacob. It was God. Amen? And as we uh, look through this chapter, and uh, I would uh, like to actually look at all 40 verses of this chapter this morning, so it means... Uh, We're going to have to move quickly, but also uh, as we go through the sermon, there's uh, something that I I want to do is encourage you in your Bible reading, not to just read the words, but to really see what is there. As we go through this psalm, you'll have to remember the, the goal of Hebrew poetry was not connecting words that sound the same. That's that's English poetry. Uh uh we we want to rhyme the words, but the Hebrew poetry was rhyming or opposing ideas. And as you go through this psalm, as we go through, I hope to show you some of that back and forth uh, that was going on in this Psalm, God tells us, uh, through the psalmist here, this is signed by David, a psalm of David. And certainly, if you study David's life, he had an awful lot to be worried about from time to time, did he not? Uh, he had things that, that he needed to uh, be concerned with, but here he's giving his testimony. And, and if you want a title for the message, it's Fret Not Because... I just telling you not to worry. It's going to be all right. Uh that doesn't work. Because sometimes it's not going to be all right. Uh there are times that uh we should never worry but we we need to be driven to our knees in prayer and earnest humble pleading to the Lord. And and as we Look here, we're just going to get started. It says, Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. So we, we see the first command here, and it's twofold. Fret not thyself because of evildoers. Now, just so we understand... How many of you think you know what the word fret means? Uh, How many of you have a guitar or a lute or some... uh, No, well, actually those are fretted instruments, but that's not what this is talking about. Same word, different definition. Here's the first one. A slow and gradual destructive action. Boy, doesn't that describe fretting Uh, as a frost, rust, disease, chemical corrosive, friction of the waves, etc. Definition number eight is to chafe, irritate, chiefly with regard to the mind, to annoy, distress, vex, worry, also to fret oneself and to bring into or to a specified condition by worrying. Now, what is that condition? Uh, The slow and gradual destruction. Uh, That's what fretting does. It's it's that irritation. It's that chafing of the mind and of the soul that just wears us out. New York City is just built to fret, is it not? Uh, I mean, just about everything that goes on in this city is designed to uh, worry you and to irritate you in some uh, form or another. I've often said anything that will bring joy to life is either uh, outlawed or taxed to death by the government of our, our city. And uh, it's always fun when people come in and they're visiting and and uh, they drive a car. I said, now... now Mr. Missionary, uh, you you got a great parking spot. You're 15 feet from the fire hydrant, but you got to move it before 8.30 tomorrow morning. Well, where am I going to move it to? Well, uh, the regulations go off at 10 o'clock, so about 9.30 you can come and... you got to be kidding me. Oh, no, it only happens twice a week on each side of the street. This is, how do you people live here? I've had so many people tell us that. And and yet, here's what the Bible says. Fret not thyself because of evildoers. Is not the world full of evildoers today. And uh, if you are not concerned, it's probably because you just don't know what's going on. But the Bible says we're not to fret ourselves. We're not to destroy thyself. Fret not thyself. Don't get that Ajija engine rolling in your internals because of evildoers. And it says, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. You know, there's two themes that just seem to run constantly through our entertainment. One is gangsters and the other is vampires. I, I don't know where those two things come from, except they, they have one thing in common. You see, they're workers of iniquity that make great profits and have great power from what they do, they get their power from evil. And, and and people like that why was bill clinton such a popular president he got away with it did he not really god takes care of those things but that is was the thing and and if we're not careful it tells us that we will fret, that we will become envious. Now, here's why we shouldn't do this. Verse 2, we have the, the the command, the statement. Now, here's why we shouldn't fret ourselves. Here's why we shouldn't be envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. They're not going to be here forever. The wicked will not endure. It seems like they're in power and that theme is going to be running back and forth all the way through this. And so, listen, the next time you sit there and you go, oh, oh my, what am I going to do? What are we going to do about this guy in North Korea? Pray. But let's not fret ourselves boy, it sure looks like they're getting ahead and they're doing I know how they're doing it. Well, the Bible says, be not envious against the wicked because they're not going to be here very long. They are going to be cut down like the grass and wither as a green herb. I could spend the whole morning giving you examples of great and powerful wicked people who up and down. Uh, one of the most unbelievable examples was a former governor of New York State. His name was Elliot Spitzer. How many remember the Spitz? Uh, That's about all he lasted. Uh, I mean, he went up through the ranks and no one stood in his way. And boy, when he came down, he came down. Fast and hard and resigned the governorship and lost everything. In fact, he thought about getting into politics again. Did anybody remember that? Uh, Several years back, he said, well, I'm reformed and I'm coming into politics and I see some smiles on people's face. That's exactly what they did. They just laughed him out of the arena. Never, ever again. Hey, that's the way it works. Don't fret yourself because of evildoers Don't be envious at the wicked. Now, look at verse 3. Here's the next command. And we're going to have the next back and forth here. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Here's the answer. Here's the command. You trust in the Lord and do good. You know how Jesus has planned to defeat evil? Through righteousness. Amen? And yet, if we, his people, do not follow this command, you, you want to make provision, it says, so shall thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. I'll tell you what, if you've got a place to live and food to eat, you've got pretty much what you need now, don't you? And the Bible tells us here, then we get to one of the most elastic verses in all the Bible. Verse 4. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. And you know, Lord, that I've always wanted a brand new Cadillac. Big, long, and black. Anybody remember that silly Johnny Cash song where he stole it one piece at a time and put it together over 20 years and had a, uh, uh, just a silly, silly song. If you really want God to give you the desires of your heart, you have to give your heart to God and let His desires be written in it. That's what this verse is saying. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. I'll tell you, we've seen the Lord do that this past year, have we not? It took a lot more struggle than we wanted it to, but that's okay. When you delight yourself in the Lord, the building's open at Union today. Brother Newberger's holding services. The first time in nearly 30 years Union Baptist Church is holding its own services in its own building. I'll tell you what. How many of you, the Lord, implanted that desire upon your heart over the last two years? And I'll tell you what, He satisfied it. He, he gave it to us, didn't He? Now, there's still a lot of work to do, but I'm glad the pressure is, is being relieved there. And so we praise the Lord for that. But here's the command, delight thyself. If you're delighted in the Lord, you cannot be fretting. Because of evil men. Amen? Then verse 5, Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in Him. Now what is the good thing that's going to happen? And He shall bring it to pass. Now, let me just stop and, and, and want you to go back to our secondary purpose of this morning. How many of you found these first five verses complicated? Anybody? Because if you have, we need to start over again. It's it's pretty simple, straightforward, isn't it? As we read, we see the psalmist saying, hey, don't do this. This is what's going to happen. Do this. This is what's going to happen. And he is bringing these ideas back and forth. Do you know that To go through these verses, you have done more than many commentators will ever accomplish in their entire life. You have gained a simple and true understanding of the Scriptures. Can we say amen to that? And and that's what the Bible is all about. And and so let's uh, look here. Uh, Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light and thy judgment as the noonday. How many of you like to be right? Uh, I, I like to be right. How about you? How many of you like to, when, you know, you have this thing and everybody is throwing in their two cents at work and they're trying to figure something out and you just say, Oh, this is what I think. And all of a sudden, everybody goes, Wow, you're right. You see, that's what it's talking about here, thy judgment Uh, uh, as the noonday. I remember walking into a hardware store many years ago up off of uh, 23rd Avenue. It doesn't even exist anymore. And uh, the proprietor there in one of his... uh, 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 customers, they were arguing, and I, I was just looking for something. And they were going back and forth, and and uh, I kept looking for what I was looking. For. And I've, I've started listening to the conversation, and what they were arguing about is what what do you call people who have black skin color? And they were going back and forth, and, and I'm sitting here going, this is absurd. And so I just le- looked over the counter at the uh, owner of the store there, and because we knew each other a little bit, I said, how about asking their first name? And walked out of the store. And they were both standing there gone. See, God will allow you to make sense of the stupidness of this world if you get enough of this book inside you. Amen? We live in a world that is full of foolishness, do we not? And if you want to get past it, get it off the pages. And get it in you. God will bring forth your judgment. Now, in verse 7, we're going to change a little bit. Uh, The first six verses here have been just basically one verse, one verse, or even half a verse and and back again. But in, in verse 7, we're going to start. He's going to give us a group of commands here in verses 7 and 8. And the next ending point or the next break-off point is going to be all the way down in verse 26. He's going to give us this huge passage here. Now, let's go through the commands very quickly. Verse 7, rest in the Lord, 1, 2, and wait on Him, 3, fret not thyself because of Him who prospereth in His way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Four, cease from anger. Five, forsake wrath. Six, fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. Now, that's, that's quite a group of commands, is it not? We're to rest in the Lord. We're to wait patiently for Him. Now, how many of you know how to wait patiently for anything? Oh, it, it is so frustrating. You wait in line, and the person in front of you. Well, you know, I want one of those uh, um, sweet coffees with, uh, you know, it's got the 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 chocolate syrup, and, and they'll say, "Oh, you mean a mocha? No, no, not the dark stuff, the white stuff, and." And, and and then the person behind the counter goes, uh, "Would you like a peppermint white mocha?" Oh yeah, that's it. And it takes five minutes to order a cup of coffee, and you're just sitting there going, "Please." And and it, and it but the Bible says that we need to rest in the Lord. You know how hard that is to do. To patiently wait for Him. And yet, these are the commands. To cease from anger, to forsake wrath. What does it say here? Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. I don't know, I try to pretend it's righteous indignation, but it's actually disobedience to the Word of God here. When our government and our senators pull off some of these things, and uh, you you need to pray for our state, New York State. Uh, This new tax bill has taken the shroud off of the unbelievable high taxation rate, and our governor's come up with a new plan. If you listen to his State of the State address, he is going to pass the taxes from the individual's to all the corporations. Now, if that doesn't strike a little fear in your heart, it it ought to upset us because if he taxes your job, your company isn't going to make as much money and people are going to lose their jobs. Companies are going to move out of this state if they try to do all of the... People do not start companies to pay the government money. These things are terrifying. And I get upset. I'm sitting there going, I can't believe that this guy is that foolish that he would do this. And the Bible says, fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way. Because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. How do you do that? Well, you've got all of these commands listed here in the front. But as we go through here, God's going to explain exactly how to do this. Cease from anger, forsake wrath, fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. How many, I I don't even know how to do this, but how many stories, whether it be in television, radio, whatever, books, how many stories do you know of where the guy tried to do right and, and they crossed him and they betrayed him and finally he fights fire with fire and he wins? You know, that's the devil's lie. You never fight evil with evil. You only add to it. You have to fight evil with good. And when God's people choose vengeance or retribution or trying to get even or... uh, We have to be careful here. So now let's go through the reasons why this is not going to work, and how we need to behave here. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. Didn't Jesus say something about that in the Sermon on the Mount? The meek shall inherit the earth. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. The, The Bible tells us that we need to let God take care of those things. You know, that is the essence of true biblical forgiveness, is it not? It is turning over the right of retribution, the right of judgment, the right of solving this problem, the right of making things equal to God and waiting. You know what? God might take a lot longer than you would like to make things equal. In fact, some things will never be made right until we stand before the judgment seat of Christ. But if God can wait that long and He is holy, how about us trying to follow His example? Amen? That's what it's saying here. And it says, For yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place. And it... "...shall not be, but the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace." We need to look at the end and understand that the Lord is going to solve this problem. So one of the ways that we can accomplish all of these commands is by, number one, looking at what God will do and trusting Him to do it in His time and and not ours. Now, let's go to the uh, next verse, verse 12 here. And and we have this back and forth. The wicked plotteth against the just and gnasheth upon him with his teeth. That's what they did to Stephen, did they not? Could you imagine being so crazy? Crazy. That you actually grab a hold of someone and and bite them. That's that's what the Pharisees did to Stephen at, at the sermon that he preached. It says, The Lord shall laugh at him, for he seeth that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn out the sword. They have bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy, and to slay such as be of upright conversation. Here's the answer. Their swords shall enter into their own heart and their bows shall be broken. Verse 16. A little that a righteous man hath is better than the riches of many wicked. I mean, remember that song, Count Your Many Blessings? Count the blessings that money cannot buy, your reward in heaven nor your home on high. You know, we need to understand something that just having things is not the answer. Having God is the answer. Amen? It says, For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholdeth the righteous. The Lord knoweth the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be how long? Forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time and in the days of famine. They shall be satisfied. You know, the the world just loves these stories where everything is right and you're just walking down the road of life and all of a sudden, boom! All this stuff happens to you. You know what? That's not the way it normally works. Normally, this... Poor Joe, who everything just kind of falls in on his head, has been doing all kinds of things that only God know about. God will keep his people if we will trust in him, if we will walk with him. If you want to be prepared when it happens, don't listen to all the news reports and and hoard gold and, and uh, freeze-dried food for 25 years, and build a bunker underneath your your house. And hey, those in Katrina they found out what happened. You started up that generator, and everybody in a mile around heard the thing running. Now what are you going to do? You going to shoot your neighbor because you only have enough food for you? And not for him. Uh, That stuff went on. It really did. What's it say? It, It says here that if you're righteous, you won't be ashamed in evil time. In the days of famine, they shall be satisfied. But the wicked shall perish, and the enemies of the Lord shall be as the fat of lambs. Now, this is talking about the sacrifice. They would take the the um, entrails out of that lamb, the, the, the fat that was there, and they would put that on the uh, on the fire. It was an open fire with burning wood, and, and that fat just would melt and turn into oil and burst into flame. How many of you ever tried to grill uh, a good steak, and it's got a lot of fat on it? You have to have some kind of spray bottle most of the time to put out the flames, because that fat will melt and and burn. And and this is, he said, that's how the wicked are going to consume away. You've got to realize this is God's time frame and not ours. But we look here at verse 21. The wicked borroweth and payeth not again, but the righteous showeth mercy and giveth. For such as be blessed of him shall inherit the earth, and they that be cursed of him shall be cut off. Look at verse 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. If you will let this book called the Bible direct your decision-making process, God will order your steps. And you know who's going to be most happy with following in those God-ordered steps? You will. That's what it says here. And he delighteth in his way. Yeah, the Lord will delight in the way. Yes, because he ordered it. But you will delight in the way that God ordered for you. Because what God wants is the best that you could possibly have. God can't want second best. He can't want something that is not uh, uh the, the greatest thing that could happen. But it's got to be in Him. And you've got to allow the Lord to order those steps. And He'll never order them while you're trying to order them. He, you'll never follow in His footsteps while you're fretting. While you're trying to figure out what you're going to do. Now look at the rest of the promises here. Though He fall... He shall not utterly, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I have been young and now am old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. He is ever merciful and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. Now, verse 27 starts the next command here, but you you look at this. The Lord is going to keep them forever. The Lord is going to provide. The Lord says, I'm going to bless them. I'm going to order His steps. When the righteous fall down, the Lord says, my hand is there to hold him up. He said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor is seed begging bread. You know, one of the problems we have at the history of our country and our society is we did not pass that righteousness down to the next generation. And we've lost generations in our country because the parents did not pass that faith. Now, we can't go back in time and redo what was not done. But I'll tell you what we can do so we can make sure this next generation knows. Amen? We can strive to do that. And these are the promises that God gives. And if you want to make your choice between a temporary cursed and destroyed life versus all of these blessings that God has promised, I I don't know what to do to convince you otherwise. Uh, I couldn't imagine anyone even thinking that way. But people do all the time. But these promises that are here, they are here to keep us doing all those commands that are in verses 7 and 8. Now we get down to verse 27. And it says, depart from evil and do good. What's the promise? And dwell forevermore. For the Lord loveth judgment and forsaketh not his saints. They are preserved forever, but the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell therein forever. The mouth of the righteous speaketh wisdom, and his tongue talketh of judgment. The law of his God is in his heart, and none of his steps shall slide. The wicked watcheth the righteous and seeketh to slay him. The Lord will not leave him in his hand nor condemn him when he is judged. I read verse 33 and I almost always think of the story of Esther. How that the wicked had planned the destruction of the entire Jewish people in the Persian Empire. And how that the wicked Haman had planned and built a gallows to kill Mordecai on, and the very night early morning as as the gallows have been built, and Haman plans to go in and ask for the for mordecai 's head something that the king would have automatically done just out of. Uh, of uh, of respect for his favored minister at that time, Haman, he couldn't sleep. Read the story. He said, I want something boring to keep me, to put me to sleep. Uh, I want you to review the history of my kingdom. And so they started reading and they came to the place where Mordecai had saved the king's life. And he said, what did we do to thank Mordecai? And the servant said, "Uh, there's nothing here. Yeah, who's in the court? Well, Haman's in the court. Send him in. And Haman undid himself, did he not? The king asked a very simple question. What should I do to the person whom the king delights in? Haman goes, that's me. None other. And so he goes through this whole list of incredible things. And the king says, do them to Mordecai. And Haman understood from that second He was doomed. That all of his planning and all of his plotting and all of his desire was completely undone. You know what? God's not going to leave you in the hand of the wicked. Because you belong to him. But here's what he wants us to do. It says, depart from evil and do good. We, we need to, you know. Used to be, uh, many years ago, they called them holiness preachers. And, and uh, not all of them were uh, Baptists by any means, but uh, there, there was a time in this country when personal holiness was held high. It's amazing that Come the late 50s and early 60s, those same holiness preachers turned and began to preach compromise with the world. And today, many of those holiness churches, there's a rock band on the platform every Sunday morning. and uh, No one, uh, the dress in the church matches the dress in the nightclubs. And, And all of those kinds of things. The Bible says, depart from these things. Depart from evil and do good. The Lord will not leave him his hand, nor condemn him when he is judged. You know, every one of us ha- have sin in our lives. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But when you stand before God as a saved person... What did Jesus do on the cross? He finished it, didn't He? God's not going to condemn us for the evil because Jesus paid for it. But that doesn't give you a license to go out and do more. If you can think that way, the Bible says you're not saved. And so, let's, let's keep moving here. Verse 34 We have two more commands. Wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt thee to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. You know, that's a promise that I want to lay a hold of. How about you? I want to see the wicked cut off. I want to see the end of their destruction and their purposes and their uh, their things that they bring into being. And, and he gives the testimony from his own life. I have seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a green bay tree. Yet he passed away, and lo, he was not. Yea, I sought him, but he could not be found. We have so many examples of people who come great in power and wickedness and, and they love making movies about the gangsters. Yeah, kill them. And, and all of this. Where are they today? In the graveyard. How many of you know how Al Capone died? When he got out of prison, he was so eaten with disease that he didn't even have a thought process in his head. And his wife that had been, he had been so unfaithful to, nursed him in a home until he died. While he ranted and raved how he would resurrect his empire and all of these things, he was just a lunatic locked in a bedroom. Let me tell you something. I, I don't want that. I want to live for the Lord. You're going to see the end. That's what the great white throne judgment is all about. God's going to bring every one of these great dictators of the earth and these great workers of evil. And He's going to hold them into account. And not a one of them is going to lift up a head. The Bible says that those angels are going to bind them hand and foot and drag them to the... Lake of fire that burneth with brimstone forever and ever. That's not a pleasant thought. And there's no rejoicing in that. But that's the end of the wicked. Why would you want to join them? Why would you want to add to the burden of the wicked? The Bible says, Wait on the Lord and keep his way. Verse 34. Verse 37. Mark the perfect man, and behold the upright, for the end of that man is peace. But the transgressors shall be destroyed together, the end of the wicked shall be cut off, but the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is their strength in time of trouble, and the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them, because they trust in him. Do you see that back and forth here again? As we end, he says, Mark the perfect man and behold the upright. You know, one of the problems that we have today is we have all the wrong heroes. The people we hold in high esteem. I'll tell you, people that we ought to hold in high esteem. Is men like Brother Marshall who came and preached for us. Just a man who served God with his life. Amen. Men like Brother Sam who endured a lot of conflict in his ministry in moving Heartland from uh, California there to Oklahoma City and keeping a Bible college that still teaches the simple things. Those ought to be people that, those ought to be our heroes. People that simply love the Lord. I've I've told my uh, children and all of our students, you know, uh, they had some old-time preachers there at at Heartland that were teaching classes. And uh, they weren't the most dynamic, and they weren't the most uh, polished in their, their speech, and and, and these things, but they were men who would served the Lord all their lives. Those are the ones you want to get connected to. Amen? I think of Brother Heinlein, who's in charge of the missions department there. He, When he was in the field, you know what he and his wife did? They learned the language of the people they were ministering. Most, many of the other missionaries never did. They always used interpreters. They got down in and, you know what? They never had big, fancy, all of these things, some of what we call our super missionaries, but they were doing the work. Those are the kind of people we want training our kids to go to the mission field. Amen? And it's often not the most dynamic or incredible things. But you know where the real battle is in fretting not? It's today. It's tomorrow. It's the next time one of those politicians open their mouth with new promises to help us. I always get nervous. when We're going to solve this problem. Boy, I I don't like it when politicians solve problems. I'm sorry. Uh, It's usually not a very positive thing. You know why? Because their basis of operation has nothing to do with this book called the Bible. And so they can't make a righteous decision. Their judgment is not according to the Scriptures. Therefore, it's going to be askew. It's going to lead us in directions that are away from the Lord. The Bible says, Mark the perfect man and behold the upright, for the end of that man is peace. Amen? Amen? Let's let's follow the right men. Yeah, Jesus died on the cross, a violent death, didn't he? But he rose again from the dead. And you know where his end is going to be? Upon the throne, ruling the world in peace for a thousand years, and then we enter eternity. I don't think you get much more peaceful than that. You see what the Bible is teaching us? whole lot of fretting going on. Is there not? And I hope you don't mind. I need to be reminded to fret not. How about you? I need to be reminded that it's not making plans. It's departing from evil. It's not Solving the world's problems, it's waiting on the Lord and keeping His way. It's leading this next generation to serve the Lord and to help them understand who really ought to be followed. You see, the Lord shall help them and deliver them, He shall deliver them from the wicked, He and save them. Why? Because they trust. It didn't say trusted. Not past tense. Present tense. Because they trust in him. Uh, Can I say this again? Well, I'm going to. How did you get saved? By trusting in Jesus. How do you live for him? by trusting in Jesus you see you don't have to lose the joy of your salvation you don't have to ever lose the fervor of that experience of being saved because you get to do the same thing over and over again every day if you trust in him I remember years ago hearing a preacher preach, and man, the way he described salvation and things, I almost wish I was a Pentecostal so I could lose my salvation and do it over again. And and I said, you know, there's something wrong with this thought process here. I I don't, and and it took a, a while, many years for me to really figure it out. You see, the thing is, I can have the joy of trusting in Him and knowing that I'm saved because I was obedient to the Word of God. But you know what I can do today? I can have the joy of trusting in Him today because He's already saved me. I'm free. And so today, I can trust in Him and not only am I saved, He can use me to serve Him. Amen? And I can do the same thing tomorrow and the next day. And I can keep that joy and that strength and that... Wonderment at the goodness of God. If you understand anything, reading Psalm 37, you ought to get this. God is, and God is good. And what is that? Faith. Hebrews 11.6. That is faith. And that's what will keep you in this wicked world. And all God's people say, Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you and Lord, we ask that this would just be more than a psalm that was written by David, more than comforting words that we read, but Lord, it would be words that would dwell in us and words that would encourage us and give us direction in how we should live and Lord, that we might even go through this chapter and mark those commands and endeavor to live them by Your grace. Lord, we pray that if there be one here today that is not saved, that they would understand enough about the goodness of God that they would be willing to forsake themselves in their way and trust You as their Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as Andrew comes and leads...